What? Are you our substitute? What, what do you want us to do? Yeah, yeah, sure, I'll put it on. March 30th, 1999, Bush Gardens Theme Park in Williamsburg, Virginia. <laughs> yes! During a publicity stunt to mark the dedication of the new roller coaster Apollo's Chariot, Fabio Lanzoni is hit by a goose in the face, spraying blood everywhere at 70 miles per hour. 2001, Victoria, Canada, Nova Scotian Nick Burchill is staying at the Fairmont Empress Hotel. Hoping to keep a suitcase full of pepperoni fresh, he leaves it in his hotel room next to an open window. Then, a tornado of 40 seagulls descended upon the hotel room, leaving destruction and feces everywhere. Burchill is banned from the hotel for the next 17 years. January 15th, 2009, LaGuardia Airport. U.S. Airways Flight 1549 strikes a flock of birds shortly after takeoff, losing all engine power. Cactus 1549, turn left lane 270. Uh, this is uh, Cactus 1539, hit birds through lost thrust. I'm returning back towards LaGuardia. Okay, uh, you need to return to LaGuardia. Turn left heading up uh, 220. It is only due to the quick thinking of Chesley Sullenberger and his Miracle on the Hudson that all 155 people on board were spared an explosive end. These are only a few examples through history of the menace and danger of birds. Though some may laugh, there are some journalistic minds who know the truth. If your knowledge of bird attacks begin and end with Alfred Hitchcock, then we're here to open your eyes because that's only the tip of the bird feeder. I'm journalist Vanessa Cartwright, and this is Birdered, a true crime podcast. When my cameraman slash boyfriend Peter and I were first flown around Europe on an incredibly generous hotel budget to investigate a string of bird attacks, we too were skeptical. I was tired of the bird beat. Yes, that is the beat I was assigned to, doing human interest stories on men who could shoot pigeons blindfolded. There were a lot of pigeons in those days, and in the days to come. Honestly, there were really only pigeons. Maybe it's unfair to blame all birds for the carnage to follow, and instead we should be focusing on pigeons. But that's not important. What is important is the testimony of a simple farmer nearly pecked to death by his own chickens. His identity shall remain anonymous to protect the innocent, and because I never make it clear in my reporting. It happened in Madrid, maybe. (laughs) These coops are lined with happy chickens. Harmless creatures, or so it would seem. Then one day, for no apparent reason, they launched an attack on their owner. The feathered mutiny spread, and these turkeys joined the fray. And it's not even close to Thanksgiving. The farmer reported that ever since the incident, every bird he had come across tried to attack him. Peter and I both scoffed at the concept, but I wish we had taken him more seriously. Because only a few days later, while Peter and I were popping champagne in a hot tub like professionals do, we learned that that man and his wife were dead. 
They weren't the only ones. Reports came in from all across Europe of swarms of birds pecking tourists and campers to death and removing eyeball after eyeball of innocent old men with shotguns. <laughs> there was even word of a massacre 30 years ago where a flock of birds wiped out an entire town except for a baby, or perhaps a woman across the street who was looking at that baby. It wasn't too clear. <laughs> but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Before our story can take wing, we must ask, what came first, the chicken or the bloodlust? By story's end, all I can say is that I have come to feel exactly what the birds felt. Hate. Tune in for the rest of Birdered and the tale of Beaks, the movie. I'm a journalist, not a sideshow barker. And this is ridiculous. A story about attacked chickens? I'm not going to do it. I won't do it. This has to be some kind of weird joke. Chickens, canaries, ducks. Give me a break. I think I queued up another podcast. Hopefully people don't <laughs> mind starting video high in the middle of the action. Not that it matters because this movie is for the birds. Oh. Oh. Let's do the roll call. Josh Roth. Guys, Angry Birds 3 is really fucking dark. That it is. Yes. <laughs> Greg Hansen. I like how Beaks the movie watched the birds and said, Two can play at that game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry. I'll have plenty of jokes to quack you guys up. <laughs> Casey. Gregory Hansen, you've activated my trap card. <laughs> I, birds of prey, you don't think I'm stooping too low when I caw this beak of cinematic top build movie talent. <laughs> Simply put, it's a coup d'etat. <laughs> oh, man. Beaks the movie, as opposed to what? Beaks the game show? Yeah. <laughs> I do wonder if Beaks the movie was them setting up for franchise, where they were like, no, 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 this is going to be huge. So it's going to be Beaks the TV show, Beaks the <laughs> restaurant, Beaks the board game. People are going to be eating this up like these birds are eating eyeballs. Oh god, they eat so many eyeballs. The eye patch budget of this movie must have only rivaled the champagne hotel budget of the movie. <laughs> oh, god, I, I so wish that there was a scene of the eye patch industry just being like, yes, my pretty, attack <laughs> the people. Fly! That is like famously some of the most famous imagery to come out of the birds but also it's the easiest thing for birds to swoop into so scientifically it makes sense artistically it makes sense and squishy squishy blood blood it's great <laughs> i like its spanish or italian alternative title falco terror i liked mm. that the original title was el ataque de los paros which just translates to Attack of the Birds, <laughs> also titled Birds of Prey. 
Evil mm. birds. Birds are pretty good. No, Margot Robbie's claimed that. So oh. <laughs> I like how in the eighties you could just make a sequel to a movie because this was also released as Beaks: The Birds Two. <gasps> right? No, I love like the whole you point. Can't of, do that. The whole point of this movie was to call it a sequel to The Birds, which then got a, an actual sequel in nineteen ninety four <laughs> and was disowned by Rick Rosenthal. <laughs> He Alan Smithied himself. Do we think that the director of Birdemic saw this movie? I don't think the director of Birdemic has ever seen any movie. <laughs> Josh, this is exactly Birdemic. Yeah. Yep. We misdiagnosed. Birdemic was not a bird's ripoff. It is a beak's ripoff. <laughs> yes, that's true. Yes. Yes. It is yes. so exactly what that movie is trying to be. Down to the fucking wire hangers. Yes! The movie begins with a bird being run through, a a fucking red-tailed hawk (laughs) being impaled by the wire of a a hang glider. Hang glider, yes. So many more sentences that sound like that will follow. It truly (laughs) is like a movie about nothing. But like the nothing that is just the void, the deep nothing, the truth about like death and the end and nature just being this like constant battle for dominion that, you know, we found ourselves at the top, but that's a tenuous place. I can see why you like it. It's got the same nihilism as Carnosaur. <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa, Josh, you didn't love this? Okay, here's what I- He's deciding. He's yeah. deciding. I can't decide if I loved this movie or not. Oh, God. So, I, listeners, I mean... the game is on. <laughs> I think there's just too much slow-mo. Ooh. Slow-mo oh, is the no. only way you can make a flock of birds look dangerous. It's also the only way this movie is <laughs> an hour and a half. It's the only mo. But otherwise, it just looks like you're feeding the birds in Central Park. That's how you illustrate the fear of a bunch of pigeons descending on two children and their parents. But also, like, it is. It's, it works. Oh, it totally Totally works. Also, though, this movie was edited masterfully. There yeah, was... yeah, yeah. Battleship Potemkin, eat your heart out. That's what I wrote. I <laughs> wrote that. <laughs> I, I mean, and I mean that not sarcastically. Like, this is leaning into the Eisenstein so heavily to sure. just be like, rapid cut, rapid cut, rapid cut. That's how we're going to do the fear. That's how we're going to try and show some birds pecking apart someone. And it was relatively believable. I think it was really believable. I was genuinely creeped out during a number of the sequences. And the way that they were able to manipulate the birds and the way that they were able to shoot them in the action sequences feel like people are getting fucking attacked by a bunch of birds in a way that, like, the problem with animal attack movies, especially not huge animals is, you know, usually people just kind of throw a bunch of cats at somebody and they're like, look, they're getting attacked. (laughs) Everyone's like, oh no, all these cats. Well, the other impressive thing is I I made note of how many pigeons there are in this movie, which are definitely the cheapest Mm -hmm. and apparently most legal to kill because they do. Do they really? Uh, I mean, they shot the pigeons in the beginning. Like, they were skeet shooting pigeons. I agree. The editor was doing a great job. But also uh, the pigeon hucker whoever was the person hucking the pigeon artist truly an artist so i didn't know that fred jones had a production company ascot entertainment group (laughs) 
I gotta say that when this movie started up and it says Ascot Productions presents a real production, I was like, really? No. We swear. It's real. We really swear. But that is real as in Spanish, like Real Madrid, right? That's a great question. Uh, one I'm not willing to answer. <laughs> yeah, it's a real production. And then it says Beaks the movie. So I, like all fucking bets are off as far as I'm concerned. Cut to the dump. Trash. Birds flying over a dump for reasons. Wait, sorry. I have a genuine concern now. Did I watch it? Was that all the hang gliding scene was? No, the hang glider happens way yeah, later, Yeah, that's like Casey. A, the middle, to the, the, near the end of the movie. You watched it out of order. No, that's where the movie began for What? Me. Where did you watch this? The mo- on Amazon. No. Okay, I, I was suspicious of this. <laughs> I was hammered last <laughs> night. And so this movie was just like images in my brain. It was just snapshots. I mean, you just described movies. So I remember like very European looking faces looking straight in the camera and being like, I've never seen a horror before asleep. <laughs> then I'd wake up and it'd be like, we got a band together. The birds are coming. Millions of them. <laughs> I didn't really have a sense of what this movie was. I just remember the images when it was off YouTube and the only one that I could find was rentable on Amazon. It said the year was 1988, not 1987. I suspected it might have been a recut. I guess this is a confirmation because, yeah, the movie for me opens with a lower third, two lovers kissing on a beach. It says Acapulco, Mexico. And then there's a whole, like, hang gliding scene. Now I'm very curious what the differences are between what you saw and what we saw. I mean, to be fair, there is no difference because the movie is just a series of the same things happening over and over and over again. It's just in a different order. So it's just like a deck of cards. The contents never change, but the order does. It's, right. It's, yeah, exactly. But by the very like artistry of the film, we're reminded that this is an editor's movie. This is Battleship Potemkin, yep. as we already mentioned. These things, when put in a different order changes everything. Well, it does change everything because your movie opens with the power being with the birds having their first attack happening. Yes. But our movie begins with man exhibiting its dominion over birds because amongst the trash and the pollution that we have created, we just have a prolonged scene in which a man skeet shoots live pigeons. Those two things are the next two scenes. But the first scene is the hang glider scene. So you go from... This couple being who, you know, just by one shot, they like smooch at sunset. So you're like, they're lovers. And then you see this bird just like. That was my favorite scene of the whole movie. Yeah, it opens like you genuinely are afraid of this bird. I don't know how I feel about this editorial decision, though, because, like, I guess that's a good cold open, but... It It posits the birds as the ultimate aggressor rather than man. Right, exactly. No, no, no. What I loved reading about it was it didn't feel like a matter of aggression. It felt like a matter of nature. It felt like we're not equipped to handle if the birds were like us. When the, like, hunter guy is shooting at the hawk, I'm sorry, we're talking about one of our leads, Giuseppe Fieri. (laughs) When he's like saying, I forget the exact line, but it's like, I spend most of my life hunting animals. Now it's their turn. 
I am the target. It doesn't feel like an aberration of nature. It feels like literally man fighting nature. And because this movie's cut all over the place, it's not like Dwayne the Rock Johnson versus nature. It's not like a movie star versus nature. It like literally just feels like a group of people at the whim of forces that it couldn't possibly change or affect. So the fact that it goes from the hang glider to you seeing the birds chase around us, like, pushing the trash. It's like, we made this happen. Like, we invited nature to feast upon us because we couldn't stop feasting <laughs> upon them. That scene has the best trained bird in the movie. I guess we could talk about it now since it's in Casey's version of the movie much earlier than it was for us. But um, amongst <laughs> all of these just slow motion pigeons flying, this is like a red-tailed hawk that has been trained to chase a woman down the beach yes. and grasp the hanger as it stabbed. Hopefully they didn't kill that hawk because it was too well trained to like murder on the, in, the, in this movie. But it looked uh, good. It looked great. Like that was the best bird yeah. stunts happen in this scene. And the best music. The fact that it opens that way for me, it like screamed Jaws. This movie also screams Jaws just because of... Because it's called Beaks. <laughs> because it's made by a director who pretty much all of his English language movies are Jaws and Animal Attack ripoff movies. No, okay, <laughs> sorry. I think you got it wrong. This movie screams cause. Yeah, no, Rene Cardona Jr., his first big American or, or English language movie was Tintorera, The Tiger Shark, a movie obviously made in the wake of Jaws. Wait, uh, wait, Tiger Shark as in like one of the most gentle of sharks? I believe so. Let me... <laughs> <laughs> like outside of like the nurse shark? Oh, sorry. Rather, Tintorera, Killer Shark. Oh, okay, okay. All right. Oh, sorry. Well, that, no, that... no. It is Tiger Shark. Oh, yeah, my yeah. God. There's a monstrous killer Turning up the sea, Tintorera Tiger Shark, starring Hugo Stieglitz, who's best known as being a, a character's name in a Quentin Tarantino movie. <laughs> he also did Night of a Thousand Cats, our favorite what? drinking game movie. He did Night of a Thousand Cats? In 1972, he made oh, Night of a Thousand shit. Cats, the greatest movie about a thousand cats ever made. Blindfolded and with a single shot, Giuseppe Ferreri will attempt to bring down a bird in flight. This is considered one of the most remarkable feats in the history of marksmanship. It's important to stress that our hero, I guess, Vanessa, the reporter, is reporting on this man shooting a bird blindfolded, which she says is one of the most impressive feats of marksmanship. Sure. And not something out of the Guinness World Records rejection book. To be fair, the idea of being able to shoot a moving object blind, yeah, crazy. But also, uh, maybe we shouldn't just be shooting animal. Like, why don't we just, like, have something mechanical? Which exists in this time! Right. In the spirit of Jaws, the mechanical pigeon wasn't working that day. Oh, oh sure, sure. Okay. Right. <laughs> it's also important to note that our lead, Vanessa Cartwright, is a reference to a character from The Birds, Alfred really? Hitchcock's The Birds. Or, sorry, not a character, an actress. Veronica Cartwright played Kathy Brenner in The Birds. Oh. Yeah, well, they're, try they're trying to put the Cartwright before the horse. <laughs> <laughs> and that wasn't a bird pun. Uh, well, I got them all. Then we meet her sexist dubbed boss who invites her to a party at his place. Anyways, you don't. And you're a pretty little ass. 
You have such class. I'm giving a party at my place tonight. Want to come? Sorry, I only have time for chickens. There are some really good one-liners in this movie. Sure. The dialogue isn't good, but there's some good quips. Which leads me to a question. Is Vanessa's beat exclusively yes, chickens? Yes, as was explained in that podcast, her beat was birds. Well, she was sent on the tip of Giuseppe Fieri doing this feat of marksmanship. She comes back with the footage. Her boss goes, you know what else would be good? You doing more bird shit. And, <laughs> and she's like, really? What about real news? And he's just like, you're pretty and young and people like seeing pretty young people uh, report on bullshit, so I'm gonna continue to send you out to bullshit. And she's like, that sucks. Yeah, if she wanted to do legitimate news, she shouldn't have worked for Megavision. <laughs> <laughs> Megavision sounds more like something out of RoboCop. Yeah, it's a conglomerate. Sure. It's a news conglomerate. I, I also got the feeling that bird death shit was really hot. Like, the <laughs> ratings were crazy. Like, they're, like, planning a whole week of dead bird stuff. <laughs> Alien autopsy, move aside. There's a new star in town. <laughs> shit. Shark week, more like bird shit. <laughs> <laughs> I did like that the majority of this movie is basically following, like, a vice team. Yes. Well, not, not the majority <laughs> yeah, of the movie. Yeah. Half, a third half? of the movie. Yeah, half to a third of the movie, because what's interesting about the movie, it, it, and the reason why you were able to see a re-edit of the movie that both makes as much sense and maybe is even more enjoyable is because the movie has a completely modular set of circumstances and scenes where basically the whole movie ends up being people are attacked by birds they don't know what to do and die. And <laughs> yeah, we have this sort of frame story of Vanessa and Peter trying to report and figure out and warn the world of the incoming murder most foul. Oh, that's a good one. Otherwise, it's just a whole bunch of different people in different places. There's not even like a temporal connection. We're, we're in Spain. We're in Puerto Rico. We're in Peru. We're in Mexico. This is an international cast. Yeah. No expenses foregone for this crack ace reporting circumstance, nor for the international production that is Beaks, the movie. Right. <laughs> to the point where towards the end of the movie, uh, actually Megavision doesn't want them reporting on birds anymore because, listen, everyone's getting attacked by birds every day. What Like, this is boring now. <laughs> That's right! That's right! That happens! That's insane! Yep. These coops are filled with happy chickens. Harmless creatures assault would seem. Then one day, for no apparent reason, they launch an attack on their owner. The feathered mutiny spread. And these turkeys join the fray. And it's not even close to Thanksgiving. This news was so rad. The fact that <laughs> it wasn't interviews, it was like sullen, meditative monologues. God, her monologues are something else. Again, I, she was ahead of her time. Like, she was dying to be a true crime podcaster. Like, <laughs> I mean, she is, she is dying to become a true <laughs> But also not just her. They shot the witness to the chicken attack, <laughs> like, with a swooping fucking Michael Bay 360 in on him being like, a 
I've never seen chickens act like this before. It was, and then getting him like walking in. The chickens got together like they were following orders. Right, exactly. Like giving this like existential monologue as he like walks slow motion into a church and pigeons fly behind him. It's like this movie was made by John Woo Goddard. <laughs> <laughs> what airline paid for this movie in an attempt to just destroy all airlines? When is Alfred Hitchcock coming? Al- oh, yeah, next week. Alfred Alfred is coming next week. Oh, I'm so excited to see a sequel to The Birds. Yep, yep, so are we. Yep, yep, yep. No, it is true, though. I mean, at least the locations listed on IMDb are Peru, Mexico, Spain, Morocco, Italy. The chicken farmer's in La Mancha. Giuseppe is in Rome. The family with with the shitty New York dad is in Puerto Rico. They jet-set around the whole damn place. And they didn't crash once due to... (laughs) Large amounts of birds stopping yeah. their landing. Take that, Sullenberger. Greg, I would argue that the plane in the movie doesn't crash because of birds, because we don't see a plane crash in the movie. Oh. We see a snap zoom onto a plane <laughs> nose, and then just a squib on the ground with no plane in sight. You know, Josh, you just gotta let yourself go and enjoy <laughs> the magic. W- what is interesting about the movie is that even though these people don't share temporal space don't really know each other and yet it doesn't get confusing no. you're never confused about where you are or who you're spending time with and i think that that's really hard pt anderson is watching this going like all right so we slug in william h macy <laughs> here and john c Riley here and uh, we call it a movie it's so funny like we say we laugh about like trying to keep names in our heads because worse movies say names a lot actually too much i feel like what we're Mm, reacting mm -hmm. to mostly Mm. when we're like whose names are that is because at some point like three quarters in the script someone goes like bennington and you're like what who's Bennington? (laughs) what is is someone named Bennington? like the fact that this movie you are only getting a sketch of each character like really helped it so that a movie that was like could have been just creepy creature felt like all the birds have banded together for this battle of existential dominion of like ownership of life and death. Say what you will about the fucking birds. They stick together. Yeah, I mean, the movie is, like, about sort of circles, right? It's, and the movie kind of traffics in repetition, and the same things sort of happen over and over again. And there was, like, there were points in this movie where I, like, truly had no idea at what point in the runtime yeah. we were, nor did I have any sense of how long we had, especially right before the <laughs> end, because I was like, we've got to be getting close to the end, but, like, everyone's <laughs> still getting attacked a, lo- a lot, and there is no sense of how this is going to get better and then it just clears up i want to bring up you know what movie rips this off a good 20 years later the happening yep I was going to say, oh, sure. I don't think I realized when I saw that he was clearly ripping off the birds until I saw what Beaks was doing, because it's the same thing where it's like mankind is a menace. So therefore, nature bands together to issue a warning. Uh, Beaks is better. Just going to throw that out there than the happening. 100% agree with could have benefited from a Mark Wahlberg staring into the camera and going, what? No, at some point. I mean, though this movie has Christopher Atkins just being like, we gotta try to get the birds. (laughs) (laughs) Christopher Atkins just like whipping his pupils from one side of the frame to the other. Boy, homeboy is sending his eyes on on a journey. You mean we're sitting ducks? That's not funny, Peter. 
not meant to be. We can't just sit here. I never believed this, but we've got to do something, and we've got to do something fast. We can't just sit here drinking. The birds, the birds banded together, right? He mugs the whole movie. It is funny that, like, he's easily the most famous person in the movie and treated like a C-list star. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's, like, turning in such a clownish performance where everyone else is playing it really straight. And I, it doesn't not work. It, it, he's, like, he's fun. Like, I, I, do, I did like right. when he was on screen. The fact that he just goes, like, the birds banded together, right? <laughs> the like, yeah, we know that already. Those birds certainly know what they're doing. I just, I wouldn't, how great would it have been if, like, this movie ended with like a peace concert between the birds and humans to like you know like working out their differences and the fucking birds walk out singing turn 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 like yeah right yeah <laughs> David Crosby's just fucking jamming Jim McQuinn's like slapping a tambourine these are my bird brethren out there we're all one flock baby the movie has an awesome soundtrack it's very of the time it's very John Carpenter it's very yep. synth yep. forward but it's effective and I and I don't know I think and I think Angelo Badalamenti's cat Laura Palmer did a really good job (laughs) (laughs) I feel like when I first like latched on to this movie having like a weird sort of commentary that I like couldn't help but like sink my sort of talons into was like when Vanessa and bro are like doing the news and like talking to that dude who their story is (laughs) he believes all birds will attack him (laughs) Yeah, Mr. Nielsen. Any bird will come at me. I've never seen anything like it. And, you know, the fucking big ups to Christopher Atkins. He shoots the fuck out of that. Like I was saying, very cinematic newsreel. (laughs) And then Vanessa, the serious journalist, is like talking to this person who, for all she knows, has like a terrible bird phobia. And these attacks were repeated by wild birds. That's right. Any bird that sees me. Jumps on me, just like that. What Mr. Nielsen is saying is hard to believe. So we've brought this along for an experiment. A small, harmless canary. The delight of many households. In fact, this canary was bred and hatched in a cage. Let's see what happens. Doesn't seem like she asked him beforehand whether or not it's okay if she has a bird near him, A, and B, will let it out of its cage to presumably attack him that poor canary that was being used as like a stanford prison experiment high schooler like (laughs) being used to be like are you birds fucking crazy go kill someone if you want we send them into mines to die first (laughs) i love how dramatically this does end because they let the canary go and it like swoops around the church that they're standing in and swoops and swoops and swoops and then swoops by his face really fast and flies off and then he just points at the tiniest scratch underneath his eye as if to be like I told you so (laughs) Jesus wept and I I don't mean to sound callous because he will get murdered by a flock of birds in a couple of scenes from now but it does seem a little bit like meh 
Uh, <laughs> like the canary had to go past him and he yeah, had a yeah. tack in his hand and he was like oh oh you see it attacked me was- josh this is where i'm gonna begin a, an episode long pushback the slow mo in this like you can't spell emotion without mo and the slow mo <laughs> in this movie like when that canary darts by that dude's head and his like earlobe kind of like quakes a little in slow motion and he reacts to like being hit in the face with a bird it like made a moment that was otherwise positively ridiculous <laughs> absolutely <laughs> into like a visceral reactive like it is uh, planting the seed where you're going to live in this movie is in a space of the most inescapable threat for these people will be birds birds are yeah. perfect killing machines even the smallest dinkiest <laughs> anything this this bird hasn't been going to any of the meetings this is the original twitter guys <laughs> but i think that there's something about the way that they photographed the birds and the way that they somehow blocked the birds or or trained yeah. the birds or whatever they were doing with the birds that really made them feel much more menacing than most animal attack movies because usually they have to do so much to try to create an atmosphere of actual danger that it's like either you're looking at puppets and it's really obvious or it's like super close-ups or it's like close-ups of animals posing as other animals yeah. you know like they, they have fucking wiener dogs dressed up as giant rats and right. it's like all right that's cool but like not really where this really just was like we got birds we have a shitload of them yeah. like a shit and, and they're just gonna be like uncomfortably close to you and yeah. there's something that's very effective about it the only time the movie to me is even close to disappointing in terms of the atmosphere when the birds are attacking is later when they're like, there's millions of birds coming and then the wide angle shot is always yeah. like just a the smallest amount of birds possible. Or it's like B-roll of murmuration. Right. What does it say it again? Murmuration. Don't murmur it. Say it. <laughs> but there are other times in the movie where that slow-mo is used, I think, not to as good effect. Like when the angry family is in the park and the pigeons are swarming and it's just pigeons leaving and they're running back to their car. The pigeons I didn't find just that aren't effective. impressive. I think every time they utilize different kinds of birds in this movie, super impressive. Pigeons, I've, less impressive. I've yeah. stood in a New York park and had pigeons swarm around me and it's not terrifying like that. Could not disagree more. I thought it yeah, was same. so effective. Really? You thought that yeah. was rad? Well, especially the stuff in Puerto Rico with the family, I thought was effective just because of the sheer amount of fucking birds that were in these shots. It's like, there's like hundreds of birds around four people. Remember the park I told you about in New York? Well, this is it. I used to play here when I was your age. Hey, go up there. I'm going to get a shot of you with the birds. If they truly wanted to, and they just started to go after you, there's nothing you could do about it. I did feel an impending sense of dread. I was there for a shoot. I, like, went to that area. It's, like, the end of this street with this tiny little church that, like, fun little fact was built because someone like rode their horse off the cliff off the side so it was like the church of like slow down it's a back to the future three church yeah the, the, 
<laughs> but there is like a, an area there that is just like filled with pigeons. And there was like a person who would give you bird seed and you could feed the pigeons, scare the pigeons, take pictures of the pigeons. And I went there to get like B-roll shots. And, you know, I'm like squatting down low to get like a low angle shot with all the pigeons in frame. And then whatever, something happens. They're a flock mind. They all just take off suddenly at once. It's like a stressful ass moment. It's terrifying to think of that many things acting as one. Because if they chose to like turn on you, that's it. Game fucking over. I like the birds. I like had more fun with this one. And one of those things was the family in Puerto Rico having a good time and then slowly, literally in slow motion realizing. (laughs) Were they having a good time? The kids were not having a good time. The dad was insisting that they did. Yeah, the dad was. And I got to tell you, in a family like that, if the dad's having a good time, you're having a good time. (laughs) (laughs) Did y'all get a scene with the Nazca lines? I don't know what that is. The Nazca lines in Peru? No. No. No, I think that's that's edited out of ours. Wait, what? There's another plane scene where you're flying over these Peruvian landmarks that I had never heard of before. Like, and they like pitched so cool. These patterns of what they believe to be like irrigation made in the shape of the animals that they thought represented fertile growth, lands, crop, water, just like they. So they made these giant things that are like huge, like straight lines that go through. 30 miles long that are all like connected to each other to like create these like enormous structures that you can see from the sky. So basically, yeah, they're flying over the Nazca lines and there's like a tour guide explaining to a redhead girl. Scientists are not sure why these were made or for what purpose these like giant symbols could be seen from the sky. And the little girl is like, was it aliens? Do you think maybe it's because aliens came down? And the the adult woman turns and goes, <laughs> probably. Uh, essentially. <laughs> Why would they cut that? Why would they cut that? Yeah, this is around the time that, in our cut at least, Giuseppe is telling Veronica and Peter that he thinks that the birds are plotting war with mankind. And he tells them that there was a town that was attacked 30 years ago, and he gives them the info of the survivors who are in Rome that they can go visit. Then we, like, really get down the rabbit hole of, oh, yeah, yeah, the birds, all birds, not just, like, pigeons, not just canaries. Every bird in the world is communicating with each other. This is around the point when I wrote down, these birds are fucking unionizing. <laughs> like, yeah. It's yeah. like it's like Spain, Italy. They've got the fucking internet. It, this is 1987. It's all new, and they're at the tip. I saw your broadcast about the man who was attacked by his chickens. I think there might be a link. But that was on the other side of the world. Birds invented flying, remember? Except those dumbasses, the penguins. Yeah. (laughs) And the ostriches. And the emus. So the survive. Wait, so Jamie, you were reading. Yes. That the survivors. They talked to two survivors of the the two apparently lone survivors of a bird massacre in a town. And we flash back to this woman tucking like a baby into a baby carriage. And suddenly, swarms of birds coming in to kill them. And there are only two conclusions that can be drawn from that. And that's either that these birds killed that baby, or this baby grew up to be this woman telling the story. And as I'm reading on the internet, it's implied that that baby grew up to tell the story. How does she remember it? I don't know. It was horrible. Every time I remember anything about those birds... I just can't help it. I guess what uh, Susan and I have come to feel 
is exactly what the birds felt. Hate. Yeah, I so thought that she witnessed this for yeah, some Yeah, that's what I thought, too. But it also doesn't make sense. You no, know, none of it makes sense. Like, it's 30 years and she's, like, 35? I just thought of it as, like, like this movie was doing. It wasn't a direct memory or even, a, like, a connection to the character who is telling the story. It is, like... It's just showing us what happens. Yeah. Again, this might be just the way it was edited. Do you remember in that scene, th- there's, like, a kid that's left behind. Yes. I don't know. I do yeah, remember th- this. There yes. are two. There are two kids. No, there's a third little boy there's like in the Virgin Watch, I swear, the family drives away. And because you get so little information, I'm like, I don't know if it's this family's kid or not. But there's just like another small boy who they film slow motion getting like surrounded by birds, implying he is getting killed by the birds. And then the stroller scene happens. And it seems like the lady just fucking ditches the baby. Yeah. Like the bits of this movie that won me over to the birds cause was the fact that it was depicting human beings acting not human acting like just survivalist and like leave the children they're weak the birds will get that one (laughs) grab whatever you can and run (laughs) it it had the feeling of watching human beings in like planet earth we see the red-tailed hawk absolutely fucking up a yuppie in mirrored glasses (laughs) in a pair of ray-bans that say i've got a calculator that you wouldn't think is a calculator (laughs) (laughs) and i almost like regret that y'all got a it sounds like if they put the like family stuff later and the like plane stuff earlier, it sounds like they were almost cutting like more the vibe of like an invasion movie. I think the fact that it opens with that yours has a plane explosion, it's almost like Independence Day, right? Yeah, they knock out the like big things first so that it's like, okay, characters can't leave, characters are getting split up. Whereas like switching them in the way that I watched the movie, it felt a bit more nihilistic. It felt a bit more hopeless. It felt a bit more like a creeping, ever increasing sort sort of thing so that when they finally say like at the end never mind it's (laughs) they stopped as mysteriously as it began it doesn't actually feel like everything's tidied up it's left at a moment of tension that reminds you your this is your place on the food chain you are still in a food chain i think it's the same sort of thing i like i think the the ending doesn't change it but i do agree that like in, in the version that we watched it does have this sense of like they're knocking out big things they're knocking out one's ability to travel things like that so that they can kind of get people alone and away from each other and then they're just gonna pack the shit out of them (laughs) (laughs) yeah because that's the rest of the movie vanessa and peter are trying to report on it with varying degrees of success they have a lot of footage unused footage seemingly by the (laughs) end of the movie yes giuseppe we we go back to him in rome (laughs) in the previous scenes talked about how he feels like he's being watched all the time and he is and he is he hears a falcon and he decides to blow it away you are not all on the same side you bloodthirsty you're just like us you won't surprise me again welcome home That shot is incredible. Exploded. I thought that that character was so funny. The character who was like, I've killed many things. And now they're coming to kill me. Oh, no. He, he's like, gets a call from his, um, his uh, daughter. Hi, Dad. 
Hi, Sharon. How are you? Glad you called. Yeah, I'm fine. I feel real good. Perfect. Oh, that's super, Daddy. Look, tomorrow's Kathy's birthday, and I thought maybe party for her at your place. Just a few kids from her school. And he like looks out the window, and the Falcon's like, "Try it, little kids. <laughs> you gonna bring the little kids here?" I love that he says yes. Well, yeah, because he's like, "I'm just gonna kill one Falcon, and that'll solve all my problems." Despite the fact that I previously admitted that all birds are following me now. Yeah. Also, in true child fashion, the kid calls her grandpa. And she's just like, "I want to see my horse." <laughs> I've definitely had like, "Hey, talk to your grandma." Uh, hi grandma here's a single thing shout it in your ear bye (laughs) that's that's most kids on the phone i think then we finally get a little bit of character development where vanessa and peter are having a steamy romance r and r you know hello stunt body something something blue-footed booby that's a that's a a bird nice that's that's a a bird bird. kind of as soon as it starts it stops it doesn't really matter i don't know if anybody else took this away but they get out of bed and they're opening a bottle of champagne and like how the scene ends the bottle of champagne opens the limpest way i've ever seen a bottle of (laughs) oh yeah it's it's like It's like you're reopening the bottle. Like they've opened it four times and all the carbonation's left. It's like, (laughs) meh. And I was just like, yeah, that's how the scene ends. Sure. Yeah. No, I I feel like that's the the movie is constantly telling us how little Peter fucks. (laughs) (laughs) That that scene totally read as like, oh, you're more a blobber. I see. Not quite a shooter. (laughs) Which is contrasted because we cut to Nielsen at his farm with his wife. And Mm. there's seemingly a single pigeon dive bombing the door and he seemingly knows what's up and grabs his <laughs> his gun because he's not sure what the hell is happening but he fucks around and finds out definitely they get fucking legit swarmed It turns out to chickens, humans are the other white meat. It is so cool how the movie spared us a him, like, looking around the farm scene. Mm, right. He just goes outside uh, yeah, and he's yeah. like, I don't see anything. Boom! Right, exactly. <laughs> just basically opens the door and someone goes, now! And they turn on the industrial fan that they're throwing birds in front of. Was this the goriest of the deaths? Like, they yeah. tear them to pieces. There's some gruesome, yeah. awesome close-ups. We get a lot of good close-ups of peck in action. A lot of good screaming, too. Like, it wasn't Blood Freak, you know? It was yeah. like, I, I, did, <laughs> I felt the terror in the screams. So that now we cut back to Vanessa and Peter are getting sexy in the bubble bath, but then they get a call that the Nielsen family's dead. And to reiterate the point of Peter doesn't fuck. Sorry, buddy. Maybe next time, huh? Peter apologizes to his own penis. <laughs> 
Oh, he does have a great line. What a dismal fate to have to share the world with assholes who call at a time like this. That's a pretty good quote. I should use that way more often. Is so true. Did that jacuzzi scene just, now I'm just curious, did it end with him pouring the champagne onto his dick and feeling pleasure from it? Yeah. Okay, good. (laughs) You didn't say it, and it made me worried you didn't see it. To be fair, this movie in more ways than one is a cock block. Why am I forgetting every bird pun in the world? I keep uh, trying like, I keep to think trying of bird names, and, and I got God nothing. Crank. I got you. I got you. Greg, what? you're the wind beneath my wings. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Vanessa goes to report on the death of the Nielsen family. Always a symbol for peace. Doves have declared a mysterious war on mankind, which seems like quite the logical leap, but sure. Also, it was 100% the pitch of this movie in the board. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yes. So we have another vignette, maybe, depending on Casey's structure, but a random <laughs> couple in their motor home. They stop on the beach. I found myself stuck just on the fact that like Peter wants to fuck, but doesn't get to, and this guy doesn't want to fuck. There's no sex <laughs> yeah. happening in this movie. It's a very unsexy film. Yeah, it keeps considering it. There's like when the girl's like, let's stop on the beach. I want to, you know, go out in the sun. And he's like, is that all you want to do? She's like, well, what do you want to do? And then he's like, hmm. And then it cuts away and she's <laughs> on the beach alone and he's still in the camper. Like, obviously, his answer after they cut away was like, I mean, we just have a lot of miles to cover today. Like, I just don't think. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? I. I'm just offering we could no I I get it but it's like no stop I want to go on the beach <laughs> this is a little switcheroo because she goes out to go like jogging on the beach and for all intents and purposes we think that she is swarmed by birds and killed but actually she's still out there and her partner back in the motorhome is immediately swarmed and killed by birds. Yeah. <laughs> this is where we pick back up with the angry family from the photo op. About is, to be a lot angrier. They have these angry kids and these angry birds. The dad angry is angry. Birds. The son is angry. The birds are angry. Everyone's <laughs> angry. The pecking order is all messed up. Oh, man. Actually, that would be a great title for this movie, The Pecking Order. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, that's much better than... Beaks, the movie. <laughs> the angry son opens the door of the motorhome. The dead guy falls out, and we cut to the family in the car, and the kid's crying, and the dad is angry that his son is traumatized. Stop whimpering, and you too, okay? I know what we saw was awful, but it's over. So try to get a hold of yourselves. The worst. The fucking dad is like, you bullshit kids never seen a dead body before. You better suck it up. You know, in a few years, you're going to write a book about this. This is your fucking stand by me. You better love it. (laughs) So with our vice duo, they are continuing to collect pieces of their story that will ultimately never air there. We have B-roll of ostriches. We have B-roll of other crazy birds. Every Every bird. bird. Flamingos. all the shots they could get their hand on. This is also like a hundred percent a completely unnecessary scene because everything that the guy says is shit that we definitely already know within the context of the movie also shit that we already know as viewers of any movie ever made ever are these birds endangered because of the losses of their natural habitats basically yes man has gone about his business without regard to the natural ecological balances In many cases, the migratory species suffers the most. 
Well, I don't know. I loved that there was like a... An Aaron Sorkin walk and talk. Yeah. <laughs> it's the West Wing. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the one part of the movie without music either. It was like really mm. so set apart because it was just like, all right, in case you're not with us, <laughs> the birds are mad at us. Yeah. <laughs> the family in Puerto Rico meets up with the girl from the camper and they do their Night of the Living Dead farmhouse portion of the movie where they try to blockade <laughs> themselves in. Here's a question. What the hell was that building? Yes. <laughs> it's this like insane art modernist architecture. Yeah, I thought like, it was a lighthouse. Like I thought it was just like an artistic oh, lighthouse. It might be. Like it might be a modernist lighthouse right? somewhere. Didn't they say something like inlet house or inlet bunker or something like that? Like, yeah, may, it might have been. I mean, possibly? you know, in Puerto Rico, there are a lot of forts. I do love the dad comes back from trying to, I guess, get the Jeep back working yeah, or he's something. Like digging it, out. I mean, it is like dug into the sand, which like, yeah, that was your first mistake. <laughs> Dad's outside. He comes back and he says, back. Fucking birds flapping everywhere. There's a lot of like really questionable dialogue that happens that I was like really into. Yeah. Like they asked what happened to you, and then they're like the birds. And it's just like, <laughs> it feels like they let them write their own lines for the rest of the film. Has the beach girl joined them by that point? At this yeah. point, yeah. Yes. yeah. This is yeah. when that's the fake out. She was not killed by birds, and she Surprise. joins their little party. And they hang out in there, and then they figure for some reason, yeah, uh, yeah. long term, we need to split and she goes let's hide under the pier because we could just go underwater if they come oh yeah yeah birds can't go underwater i've known a decent amount of birds that can't yeah. go underwater you forgot about ducks <laughs> motherfucker ducks. that was the greatest edit maybe biggest laugh i've had in like a couple weeks because yeah the girl from the beach you thought she was attacked by a, a flock of seagulls but she ran she ran so far away <laughs> Uh, and she gets in there and the dad comes back, says a bunch of birds are flapping. She, not traumatized by a bird attack, is just like, let's go to the pier so we can go underwater. Like, is thinking quick. The dad is immediately like, great idea person I've never seen before. And like, his, <laughs> he and his family and this new pecked stranger run, get under a dock, hide there, and it zooms in on their scared faces Cut to ducks. <laughs> you forgot about ducks, didn't you, motherfucker? Quack, quack, <laughs> motherfucker. Also, you can't just stay in water for a Forever, long time. No. Until this bird situation no. figures itself out. You're just going to live there now? So here in our version yeah. is where the herpes medication commercial, <laughs> a.k.a. the hang glider <laughs> scene starts. To be fair, it did kind of come out of nowhere. Like the herpes. But again, the stunts were so impressive, I was down with it. We're sort of in the final third-ish of the movie. Again, it's uh, hard, hard to tell yeah. because it kind of is a limitless void that this movie exists in but we get like a quick moment where the family in Puerto Rico gets on a boat and they literally boat out of the movie and yeah, there are certainly no birds on the ocean as no. on the ocean I've never seen yeah. one before I mean you don't see any gulls out there <laughs> we're down to Peter and Vanessa and Peter and Vanessa are, are like 
good 80s automaton workers are just continuing on to try to bring the news of the world to Megavision. And, well, uh, you, you know, Greg, they're not in Spain on a holiday, as yeah. they say, which could have yeah. fooled me, but yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the champagne and bubble bath would tell different. Again, I gotta reiterate, the Megavision guy is the guy who's like, we should start getting this story out there. And they're like, no! <laughs> Our footage! <laughs> on a holiday, you know. What's happening here is really incredible. You want to hear something incredible? Listen to this. We've been getting calls and telexes from news agencies all over the globe. And they all got the same stories. <laughs> what? I can't hear you very well. I said that all kinds of birds are attacking people in countries all over the world. So what you've got isn't news. All my information is going on the air. And yet the UN has not even thought about bringing in Randy Johnson to throw pitches <laughs> at all the birds. <laughs> Maybe that we should start putting up wind turbines. <laughs> they would have saved it, us. It, it does both. We save ourselves and we save ourselves. The powers that be in this town, I guess they're in La Mancha, are like... Oh boy, millions of birds are heading this way. We we've gotten a satellite feed. We right. know by radar <laughs> yep. that millions of birds are coming here. We know that for sure. Let's have a drink. Yeah. <laughs> well, the mayor of La Mancha realized what a quixotic undertaking it would be. Uh <laughs> I love when they're talking to the mayor, they're trying to like figure out a plan. Peter gives a plan of some indeterminate nature that I could not figure out. Something to do with trains because all the roads are blocked. So it's like, all right. Well, Benitez, alert everybody and bring them together and use all available transportation. The roads are blocked, remember? Those birds certainly know what they're doing. I saw a train when we first arrived. Is it still here? I'll check on it. His plan was to catch all of the birds in one train car somehow, release that train car, and explode it. Was that the plan? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) You can't argue with the results, people. I thought that the plan was to snow piercer for the rest of the movie (laughs) and just just put the town on wheels. The birds can't get us if if we're moving, I guess, was the question, which to me felt a little like they know that the birds are killing pilots. Uh, Let's just put the town in a train so that if one person gets killed, i.e. the conductor, that the town gets killed. But if that is the plan, what he doesn't foresee is the birds alliance with sheep. (laughs) Right. <laughs> An unlikely pairing, if ever there was one. Never get out of here at this rate. We've got to move these sheep out of the way. How do we do that? Can we just push them out of the way with the train? Too many of them. We're coming for you, assholes. <laughs> I think that this movie is a metaphor for religion because mm. if these people mm. had a shepherd. 
then all these sheep wouldn't have been in the way. I'm just saying if they had accepted Jesus. But at the same time, it's what's worth saving about humanity. It's why we are cheering for these people. A train coming at them will definitely get them to move. But some would get hurt or and maybe die. And the conductor is just not willing to sacrifice the lamb. If this movie is anything, it's, it's religious. religious. <laughs> Vanessa's like, we got to get everybody onto a train. What we have that the birds don't have is we can group together. She's like, we're a social species, essentially. Also, we have also, trains. We have trains. <laughs> and there's also a moment in there when they've gotten everyone onto the train and she's like, please, God, just like stay in your booth close the windows like just <laughs> yes. just like listen to us and she's getting like fucking anti-vaxxers like pushing back there's like i don't even believe that there are killer birds i don't think that they're that bad right. only one percent of people die from the killer birds you know <laughs> and she's like you know what then fucking you go out there except you're gonna endanger us all you piece of shit so, so close the windows and get back yeah. in your car the person saying like what like birds killer birds no way still got on the train like, still was, like, yeah. herded onto a train and was like, I don't believe in killer birds, but, you know. FOMO's a hell of a thing, Casey. <laughs> I don't believe birds are um, attacking people, but the government says get on this train, so. <laughs> The the conductor, the guy left behind is the conductor who Peter was like, you go clear off those sheep. Basically, is like, you go die. <laughs> hey, you, go sacrifice yourself. The uh, birds break into the train. They get all the people out of the train car, except for that conductor who gives their life to save everyone. A again, a character who we do not like. It's Christopher Atkins doesn't get the final kill quip. Like a guy who we <laughs> right. really some don't rando. know. It's just so great that it was like just some dude. Again, this movie isn't really about anyone. It's about all of us. Birds of a feather. <laughs> I, I do love before Peter detaches the car, the conductor throws two grenades and yells. And here's one for him. Uh, and one for me fucking rad and we basically then cut to the scene that is like directly sort of yeah. taken from the birds yes which is the like requisite birthday party for the worst red-headed <laughs> child who <laughs> i wished would die I like the look of those birds there's just too many of them Go! You heard me! Get inside! Giuseppe allowing, like, after killing the Falcon and uh, <laughs> inviting his family over, like, this is a movie... Reckless child in danger. Yeah, I mean, that, but that's the whole movie. The whole movie is people, mostly fathers, like, putting their children in danger and leaving some children just to die. You know, what is the march forward of human sort of greed and resource use that makes desperate the survival on a planet, if not the sins of our fathers? <laughs> and my dad's name is Peter. So this movie really, really planted the larva of a brain worm in here. I'm going to be muttering about this movie to some nurse one day. I, I was sure that this was just going to be like a sort of dark 
parable about Giuseppe's hubris that it was like he thought he killed the <laughs> yeah. one bird and oh, that's then a great he alternative title Giuseppe's hubris yeah I thought his last moments would be with his one good eye left watching his family like torn to pieces and like saying something about like impermanence truly what I was hoping for was that they would peck out his other eye totally and because he can shoot by sound he was gonna be blowing oh! them away and get oh! taken down Yuck. And I was like, fucking here for that. But no, he dies because fucking Patty. Yeah, not even his granddaughter. Giuseppe gets killed because Patty decides to go outside for no reason. And she deserves to die. And Giuseppe's like, all right, I guess I'm going to save a sacrifice myself for a dumbass kid. Like, frankly, if you're a kid in a horror movie and you see something bad happen and all you do is stand there motionless and scream, you deserve to die. I'm sorry. Okay. No, there, no, no. You have God. no hope. Oh, tough guy. Yeah, podcast tough guys over here. <laughs> Dunking on a little girl who's screaming at the sight of their impending death by, by beaks. I, I, I will not be made to feel bad about dunking on terrible children in, in horror movies. <laughs> also, Casey, a little girl was not screaming. That was very clearly an adult woman dumping <laughs> over the crying of that child. <laughs> I'm so disappointed with y'all's inability to suspend your disbelief. Wait, oh, we're not no, suspending I'm... our disbelief. We're just saying we'd rather Giuseppe lived and a child died. Yes. That was <laughs> a little girl in trouble and not a full uh, a woman next to a small horse. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag justice for Giuseppe. I'm just saying that Giuseppe had the ability to save a lot of people by shotgunning birds if he so chose. This child couldn't do literally anything if she so much as saw a bird near her. The best thing that she had was she kept the small fire going, kind of. <laughs> Wait, what is that? I don't think I even had that. The mom starts the fire and then for some reason, because Patty has gone through <laughs> some trauma mom has to sit with patty put a cold compress on her head and hold her hand and while she's doing that she leaves the child to tend to the fire that is actively saving their life yeah i didn't get that i also didn't get what the fire was doing Neither it, did was, I. it was stopping the birds from coming, from coming down, the, down chimney. the chimney but it exactly. also seemed uh, to just chill out the birds in the house yeah there were also birds in the house that were yep. just staring at them and did nothing for no reason it's like when you put smoke in a beehive and it calms down all the bees and they won't sting you. It wasn't smoke filling the house. <laughs> it just wasn't. No, no, it wasn't. It was yeah. Otherwise they'd be dead. Unclear. Yes. Unclear is the answer. Yeah. yeah. If I've learned anything, it's that this movie is truly about Europe's deep-seated fear of closing windows. Mm. The mom leads all of the kids outside past birds perched on an alarming number of of mounted antlers and heads mm. on walls. It is pretty cool because there are a fuck ton of birds. The, the, all of the kids run into the, the van in slow motion. But not all the kids at first. There are four kids <laughs> like that the mom is perfectly, again, perfectly right? willing to like leave behind. They were like separated at some point? Perfectly willing to leave them at the house and then they finally run out. So she's like, oh, fine. Okay, you can make it too. Come on. She only cared about her daughter and Patty. Exactly. <laughs> the reality that this movie is constantly painting is one where humans are perfectly willing to let their young just be killed off. I just sort of love that they blame the birds of this and then every scene seems to be the like human beings 
beings being like, you're on your own, kid. Fuck off. <laughs> you also got to give it to the birds. They're doing very specific killing. They're not just there for extermination. There is like There are points to these murders. And they talk about it. They discuss it before. Like in the Puerto Rico scene, there's a lot of cooing before they decide to attack the family. Like the vote, yeah. the vote is being taken. So maybe all the birds were like, oh, it's just like kids left. Do we want to be like monsters? Or <laughs> The message has been sent. We killed yeah, the we hunter. Maybe we'll let them go. And just like that, the madness is over. And we get another monologue from Veronica. In all parts of the world, the birds appear to have returned to their normal behavior. All attacks have ceased, and we seem to be at peace. The nightmare ended the same way it started, suddenly and inexplicably. Perhaps they knew they could never defeat the most cruel killer of all, man. Or perhaps their message was sent, a message to care for this fragile sphere we call Earth. To nurture and share the riches with all God's creatures, if we are to survive. And then there's random shots of water and buzzing? Yeah. It's mosquitoes, motherfucker. Mosquitoes! Oh, mosquitoes. I thought it was implying that, like, bees are going to be the mosquitoes next. Mosquitoes are coming. That's terrifying. If mosquitoes actually did organize, like, they could wipe out all of us. I, like, yeah, that's terrifying. I hate that. Mosquitoes that. is the ones that are coming, and they're coming for your blood. No, oh, no, I don't, I don't want no. that. No, that's way more terrifying. Sucked. Dry. Y'all's ended with the sermon, also, right? <laughs> the biblical text crawl. Oh no, no. ours did not. Y'all no. didn't have a text crawl. No, 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 no it just ends. Crawl. I'm so excited. All right. Text crawl. Brand new dance they call a crawl. Prophecy of Joel. Blow the trumpets in Zion, for the day of the Lord is near. The day of the insect and swarming locust is coming. It will be a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. The earth quakes before them, and the heavens tremble. The sun and the moon are darkened, and the stars withdraw their shining. And the Lord shall pity his people, and he shall show mercy into, uh, into them, but... That's a typo. That should definitely be unto Mm-mm. them. No, the Lord's the gonna Lord fuck shall you. show mercy into them. No, the Lord's going to fuck you up on this one. That's what it's about. Yeah, that's what it's saying. You people are people in too much. I'm about to fuck you up. I'm about to get up inside you. Incredible. That's incredible. All right. Are we at the ripoff report card? Yeah. I'm a little nervous about this one because I've used this information from my ripoff report card song, a piece of art that is very near and dear to my heart. And now, the nations of the movie, Beaks, brought to you by Casey Regan. Institutu di Cine e Televisi de Puerto Rico gave crew to Nesca de Sia, the beaches of Lima, financed by Aero Peru, Macho Picha de Ladia, then off to Espana, Sevilla, Toledo, Madrid, San Juan, Acapulco, Rome, after Morocco, just to throw pigeons at kids. It's produced down in Mexico by the respected code Rene Cadorna, too. So I give the show to Greg now to go over the rip off report card with you hello nurse (laughs) the beaks the movie ripoff report card is brought to you by beaks the breakfast cereal comes with real live birds feeding you pre-digested breakfast cereal you're the baby bird now (laughs) 
Beaks co-star Christopher Atkins is easily the most famous or formerly famous aspect of the movie, having skyrocketed to superstardom after a short stint in modeling turned into a starring role alongside Brooke Shields in her breakout hit Blue Lagoon, Atkins made a string of poorly received films in the wake and his career tanked. Blue Lagoon, of course, is the first big feature with Brooke Shields, who had risen to creepy prominence with her Calvin Klein ads, whose slogan was, What's between me and my Calvins? Nothing. (laughs) And playing a child prostitute in Pretty Baby at the age of 12. Brooke Shields was 14 when Blue Lagoon came out and actually had to have a body double for all the nude scenes. Blue Lagoon was based on a novel written in 1908 called How to Twist Your Knickers, if you know what I mean, hubba hubba, but shortened to Blue Lagoon, which was even creepier because it was about a couple of cousins doing the deed on a desert island. Oh my god. Not just two children. Thank you. 1908. But that's neither here nor there. Atkins and Shields, of course, had a fling on set, which uh, lasted apparently about two weeks, and they were over, which is sort of how most people would think about Christopher Atkins' career. Uh, (laughs) Also, high school relationships. A reasonably in-depth article on Le Beau Le Blog, (laughs) which asked the hard-hitting question, what the hell happened to Christopher Atkins? Mm. (laughs) Details his rise to prominence, the back-to-back flops of the pirate movie and the Flashdance ripoff A Night in Heaven, which we have talked about doing on Video High, his heavy partying day in Studio 54, his being hired on Season 7 of Dallas, and even his botched Sure Thing audition for Footloose. But then it glazes over, say, the next 20 years or so of his career. After a year or so on Dallas, he starts a string of movies that, according to the article, the entire world is unaware of. These are, shall we say... Video High movies. <laughs> in 1985, he starred in Secret Weapons, a made-for-TV Cold War drama that has Linda Hamilton with her boobs out on the cover. What? As a bunch of Soviet cuties using their bodies as spy weapons. In 1988, he starred in Mortuary Academy with the legendary Paul Bartel and Mary Warnoff. And he, of course, sprang up in a slew of 90s direct-to-video fodder like Die Watching, Dracula Rising, and Project Shadow Chaser 3. (laughs) In the midst is Beaks, the movie, the last English-language movie of Ray Cardona Jr., whose English-language movies, appropriately, nearly all featured killer animals. So the answer to the question posed by LeBeau LeBlog, whatever happened to Christopher Atkins, was he kept working (laughs) and he made better, less creepy movies. (laughs) And that's what the ripoff report card is all about. Now, post-acting career Chris sees him installing luxury pools in LA and creating a line of designer fishing lures and trying to spend a lot of time with his kids. You can follow him on Instagram at Christopher Atkins1 for his current exploits, because I guess apparently 
the Christopher Atkins was already taken by the time he got to Instagram. And that has been The Beaks, the movie, The Ripoff Report Card. <laughs> I'm going to go on the Atkins diet. It's where you just chew the scenery. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to reap, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to laugh, a time to weep. Unless you give everything to birds, birds, birds. <laughs> this is the season of birds, birds, birds. <laughs> and the time for the ripoff report card endeth. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Wow, wee zowie. That was beaks and birds of prey together for two for one you got a two for one this episode <laughs> two movies for the podcast of one two very different movies but from each of us i just need one very final thought what from beaks could be on the final test well this podcast is boring i'm gonna go play <laughs> i leave this movie the same as i leave all movies humanity is a virus <laughs> <laughs> All movies? Even Paddington 2? <laughs> this is what it sounds like when doves kill. <laughs> you know, my final thought is... Well, listeners, I hope that episode wasn't too much of a burden or hawkward. All of those puns may have been a bit of ostrich, but we hope they quacked you up a little. Video High would love to thank our teacher, Mr. Philip Marlowe, Seth Applebaum of Ghost Funk Orchestra, and Gabriella Tessitore of Scout Harris for the theme music. Justin Ferrero of the Rizzos did our bed music, and thank you to Carl Casey at White Bat Audio for the additional music in the episode. Thank you to Ann Shearer for our logo and our impeccable Video High crew. Greg Hansen, Casey Regan, Josh Roth, and me, Jamie Kennedy. We have no egrets. In our next episode, we take the class out to the old ball game for the 1998 minor league horror film, The Catcher. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And find us on social media, at Video High Podcast on Instagram, at Video High Pod on Twitter, and Video High Podcast on Facebook. In your ear. Podcast Network.